With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Crack open a Zoltan today. Enjoy your HN Podcast, John Miller, along with Rob Howe, also from HawkeyeNation.com. Thank you to Exile Brewing Company and to Heartland Flag Poles and Flags for sponsoring this podcast. I've talked a little bit about Iowa's Northwestern game in this space, Rob, this week a couple of times. I'll clear the way and uh, let you tell us what you thought from your vantage point over there in Evanston. Yeah, I thought it was disappointing, to say the least, and I think that's in line with mo- you know most Iowa fans felt uh, <laughs> by virtue of reading our message boards. Um, you know, it seemed early on they were able to move the football, and uh, it was going into the wind, and they didn't take advantage of the ability to move the football early, um, and just kind of let Northwestern hang around and. Um, it was kind of the same old story. Couldn't run the football, couldn't sustain anything on offense, and uh, the other team made made plays when it counted. And uh, that's kind of been the theme in the three losses, uh, all three winnable games. And and I, I think that's what uh, what probably sticks in most people's craws the most is is they could see the possibility for this team um, to be seven and zero. And having said that, they could have lost at Iowa State too. So you can play that game both ways. So. Um, I think, you know, from talking to the players yesterday and, and you know, Coach Ferentz, they feel like they're close. They feel like they're going to get this thing turned around and, and have finished with a flourish. And to everybody that says, you know, I, they don't see it coming, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, the way they've looked so far, John, on, on offense being, you know, the inconsistency, it's hard to fathom that they're going to put put it together now and be able to finish here on a run, especially with Wisconsin and Ohio State on the schedule. But I didn't think they were going to beat Michigan after they got stomped by Penn State last year. So I've got I've kind of moved past that that point of just saying there's no way this is going to happen. Um, I have my concerns right now, though. Yeah, I, I those concerns are are, are very valid. Um, I would agree with you. I, I think what the primary problem. As I see it, and I'm not saying that there's just one problem. There's, you know, one thing leads into another typically. But I think the the breaking point for this year's team and what doesn't give me a lot of confidence that they can consistently turn things around offensively is that they're starting two freshmen at tackle. And that's not going to change. I mean, doesn't sound all that optimistic that we'll see Boone Boone Myers again. We aren't going to see Ike Butker again. 
and Tristan Wirfs and Alaric Jackson are going to become much better players uh, in the offseason. And for having gone through this baptism by fire they're experiencing this year, experiencing this year, and sure, can, can Nate Stanley connect on a few more passes? Yeah. Can Iowa drop a few fewer passes? Yeah. Can Brian Ferentz not call so many damn plays inside out of power formations? Yes. But that said, I'm not all that optimistic we're going to see significant changes or significant improvements based on what I see as the primary ailment for this team. Yeah, and, and like you said, and, and kind of the list you went through there, it just when, when years go like this, and I, there was a stat, I, I can't remember quite what it was uh, in the notes this week about um, – you know how close since 2014 the amount of games that have been decided by one score um it's common this is iowa football so when this you know when the setups like this where you know one or two plays you look at and say this could have changed it is actually there's quite a few plays in a game that could have changed it and it just seems like iowa is finding a way to not make those plays whether it is as you said a dropped pass or an inside run where the you know somebody misses one block, or Stanley and Amir Smith Marset getting, you no know, being not on the same page on a pass and Stanley throwing that ball when he had no business. To, I mean, it, you know, uh, Miguel Racino is missing a field goal. Um, just it just it seems like the Murphy's Law. If something can go wrong right now, it's going wrong. And I guess. You know, if you want to be a glass half full or a positive person, you figure that they can tie those things together. But I've also seen years where these little things hurt them and they hurt them all the way through the season. You brought up that point in the notes with regards to the number of one possession games that Iowa has been involved in the last would you say since 2014 i think you said yeah uh, i have it in my preview let me see yeah here, I, I have the you number it. it's it's six games in each of the last three seasons not counting this one yet all right not counting this one yet i i, I went from 2014 2015 uh and 2016 and the more i'm looking at you know 20 in, i mean going back to 2013 the northern iowa game is one iowa state that year is one um, Northwestern's one, Michigan's one, and LSU is. So there's five in 2013. This year already, we have the Iowa State game, the Penn State game, the Michigan State game, and the Northwestern game. So we've got four out of their first seven games this year. So and even even North Texas and Illinois were within a score in the third quarter. Right. So and Wyoming wasn't a world-beating game at halftime. I mean, we could probably go back through most of the seasons. And see things like this because Ference is the whole Ference philosophy by and large is don't beat yourself on offense, which sometimes can mean lower risk, risk averse, punting is winning, play stout defense and don't give a lot of points up, and you're going to win games 24 21 or you're going to lose games 24 21. That's the, been the formula, and it's been a successful formula for him by and large. I think it just drives people crazy. You know, you've been around the message boards a long time. I think since 2003 was when uh, you and I started working together uh, at Hawkeye Nation um, before I was able to get out of my non-compete at that point in time, and you came over from the Press Citizen. So this isn't your first rodeo. The, the tenor of the message boards and, and now Twitter, which we've both been on that, I think, since about 2009, so eight years there, it's almost like all the goodwill from Iowa's 12-2 and Rose Bowl season 
okay, I'm am, I'm always amplifying if I'm taking things from what I'm just seeing on social media and message boards, because I don't really truly reflect that's a majority of the fan base, but it's the one that we see and read. But man, a lot of people sure are pissy, for lack of a better term, right now. No patience. The the haters have come back out. It's almost like they just went into hiding when Iowa was 12 and 0 two years ago, and now they're back out in full force. I guess I just, and maybe it's because I'm getting older too, but I. I I struggle to understand what I'm seeing at this point in time, especially considering most people thought this was going to be kind of a, a reloading year to where they were putting in more of a foundation for next year. Yeah, um, and you and I have done this and talked about things through you know different radio shows and podcasts through the years. And guy's been on the job for 19 years. You know, he's built up through that time. And when I say the guy, I'd respectfully, Coach Kirk Ferentz, who's probably going to be the most, the all-time winningest coach in Iowa football history, you build up a lot of critics over that time. And he hasn't changed, so those criticisms remain. When things don't go well for Iowa football, it's not hard to find why. Um, you know, he doesn't change. He's, you know, that's why such a big thing was made of New Kirk. Um But even though there are some things that they do differently going forward on fourth downs, um, you know, things that aren't as, um, you know, conservative as they may have been early on in his career, he's still at the core who he is foundationally. And we talked about it. It's it's not making mistakes. It's execution, which people hate to hear. But they and Nate Stanley said it this week, you know, somebody asked him, you know, do you have to do things to get you know, Akram Wadley in space, or do you have to do things if the other teams, no, the kids said, you know, soft, true sophomore quarterback, he, straight face, we have to execute the base plays better. Yeah. We have to execute the base plays better. And that is what they do. And it's not going to change. And that, and I think, John, as you said, that the criticism and the, and the pissiness is from people getting fed up with that when things don't work right. They're fine they're fine in 2015 when those things are working. They're not fine now. And I the, the ultimate thing will be <clears throat> and I thought about this earlier today is if apathy sets in eventually. And you know th- there was a, a a surge of energy, a boost from that 2015, but seven eight win seasons, you know, two three four of those in a row, you, you know, six wins that's when you start to wonder if people are going to continue. There's four, there were 45 tick, 4,500 tickets still left as of yesterday, Tuesday, for this game. That's where you see it. If the stands become – we start to see empty seats um, and people not caring as much, that's when, when it becomes a problem. And, and maybe we're headed that way and maybe we're not. I don't know yet. Yeah, the, the threshold for that to really cause pain is a lot lower than it used to be because of the Big Ten Network money. But you're, you're, you know, it's still relative at some some particular point in time. Plus, I mean, they're putting plus that the the um, the North End Zone project, and once they get that thing together, they can they can sell those boxes and and make a bunch of money off of that too. I did find that stat, John. It's uh, since 2014, Iowa is 12 and 10, 12 wins, 10 losses in games decided by one by one position. Possession. And that includes the, you know, the 12 win 2015 season, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, out of 22 games, 
Uh, 22 of 33 games in that period have been decided by one possession, and I was 12 and 10 in those games. So yeah, they, they had five of them in 13 and seven of them in 12. So even going back farther than 13 and yeah. 12, but you're, you're talking more and more of those. And I'm guessing the numbers probably don't skew their way very uh, well those two years, or they would have included that in their notes package. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I mean, I think you and I both would agree, and if I'm putting words in your mouth, interrupt me. We would both agree that I think the master plan, at least in the Ferentz household, is spinning this thing back up in order to for Brian to be the head coach. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think that just seems like the logical, right. logical. What do you? What's the word I'm looking for? Process plan yeah. that. You know, he came his offensive line. He's now the offensive coordinator. Kirk's not getting any younger. And I, I think that's what they're trying to achieve. And that's not to say that that's the only thing they're trying to achieve because sure. they need to win for that to happen. Right. I mean, both of those things take care of themselves, right? They, they want to come out and win every game they coach. And there's a sense of urgency, I think, more so because of our belief that that's the plan to, uh, you know, quote unquote, pass on the family business. But. So and, and I and I think that they're positioned well for a run at that these next two years, but if, if these next two years don't after this year, if these next two years are you know a couple more from the eight and four, you know if next year's eight and four to me that's that's a disappointing year based upon what their schedule is. Um, so if you if you kind of have a couple of those you know Malay style years the next couple of years, I don't think that that torch is probably going to have a chance to be passed. And some of the people out there will get their wish. I still remain at this, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that are just going to, you know, figuratively puke up in their mouth right now. Because I've said this for a long, long time, and I've not changed my mind on this. I believe that Iowa is one bad hire away from being like a Minnesota. I believe that. Now, some people might say, well, John, maybe they're a good hire away from being Wisconsin. And I would say, you know, I have Wisconsin envy too, but I also look at it. Wisconsin's a state with five plus million people in it. Iowa's got three million. There is no Wisconsin state. Sheerly on demographics and sheer volume of numbers, Wisconsin already has an edge in you know on a recruiting standpoint there wisconsin's fans are just as passionate as iowa's fans madison is a phenomenal city just the way that iowa city is so wisconsin has been more consistent than iowa and they've recruited you know similarly with regards to you know scout.com rivals.com rankings through the years i i tend to look at this a little more conservatively in that I know what and who Kirk Ferentz is. Have I been irritated with him in the past as well? Yes, sometimes. But I, I think that I, I can get slapped back into reality, or at least what I think reality is, is that I think Iowa has to pay somebody a lot of money to come and to stay and to produce a team that most Saturdays can compete and have a chance to win. I think they have to overpay because it's not easy to do at Iowa. We want to talk about Iowa's facility. Everybody in the Big Ten has facilities or will within the next two years. Everybody. Everybody in the Big Ten has money. So that those advantages aren't there. Iowa has phenomenal fans. There's no doubt about it. So do some other schools. So do over half the other schools in the Big Ten. So it's... I think it's. I don't think it's a given, and it's an easy job that all of a sudden we're just going to wave a magic wand and, and bring some other coach in, and they're going to have the similar success to Hayden and Kirk. I think it's very important that that person knows the culture and what they're getting into in Iowa, and historically what you can recruit. So may, maybe I'm just a little too conservative, but again, I I, I think Iowa 
has a lot of risk, downside risk. Yeah, I would agree. And, and you know, when you line up what Iowa's been during Kirk's run against other Big Ten teams, it's favorable. I mean, you, you take away, you know, Ohio State because they're just ridiculous um, with consistency and they, they haven't fallen off at all. Michigan's fallen off. You know, they had you, what they would consider two bad hires in Rich Rod and, and Brady Hoke um, that didn't fit. Purdue was rolling with Joe Tiller. Now they're hoping to get back with, with Brom, but we'll see. Um, Illinois has just been a wasteland for most of Kirk Ferentz's time here. Uh, Minnesota's been ha- had its moments, um, but they had the Tim Brewster hire. You know, so what you're saying is accurate, and, and you never know. You never know what you're going to get with the next hire. It doesn't – to me, I, I think it would help if they brought in somebody that knows the landscape and the culture. But um, – you look at somebody like, and and I'm not, you know, crowning him at this point because I think people are going a little overboard, you know, with you know they're five and two, those guys in Ames, um, and Matt Campbell looks like a good hire, and he didn't know a lot about the culture there, so I I, I don't think you're doomed, and I'm not I'm not saying that's what you're saying, I don't think you're doomed. If you don't get somebody that knows the culture and knows the landscape. Um, but it certainly improves your odds. And what, we won't know what this thing is going to be like until Kirk finally steps away, and that's going to be an intriguing time. I'm intrigued at this time because this is really his legacy right now. We're, we're witnessing the end of his legacy, and if he can do enough and Brian and the rest of these coaches can do enough to keep it in the family like we talked about. And how this plays out to me is very intriguing. The black and gold unites us all, but then what? Kevin the Flag Guy from Heartland Flags here. If you're listening to this podcast, you bleed black and gold. But what comes after the Hawks? For me, it's the Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals. Nope, can't explain it. What about you? Packers and Wizards? Pelicans and Sharks? NASCAR and the Jags? Bulls, Bucks, and Chargers? Whatever flag you want, we've got it. Jump online to heartlandflags.com and shop our huge inventory of sports teams' flags. You won't find a better selection or better prices anywhere. Guaranteed. And to top it off, free shipping on all purchases at heartlandflags.com. Oh, and that Iowa flag you've been flying since the Hawks last went to the Orange Bowl? Time to step up and freshen up with a new design. Check out our Hawkeye selection when you're shopping for your other favorite team flags at heartlandflags.com, where you'll never pay for shipping. Since Kirk got things turned around in 2001, so that would be, what, 16 of his 18 full seasons at Iowa? Um, So that... Ohio State has the most wins of any team in the Big Ten, obviously. Wisconsin is next. And after that, Iowa is tied with Michigan for the third most wins uh, in the conference since 2001. I think if we include this year's numbers, Iowa and Michigan are tied, and I think Penn State is now tied. So you're talking about some pretty good results, but that stuff gets thrown aside because people are just fatigued. But... um, at any rate, that wasn't really a tangent I had planned uh, planned on going down. I'm glad to hear you say that the players at least seemed like they were saying the right things. And, you know, to, to Nate Stanley's point you brought up earlier about we have to execute the base plays better and more consistently, if an Iowa team doesn't do that, they have little shot. They have very little chance. They, they, they still were in a, in a very ugly game on Saturday, not making the makeables. 
not being able to run, dropping passes, not fielding punts and letting them roll out 81 yards and things of that nature. Uh, you know, missing a field goal, even though that was into the wind. I can't harp on Racinos too hard there. Um, they were still in the game, and, and the defense still only gave up 10 points in regulation. It's crazy to me. The defense has allowed 10 points to Northwestern on the road and 17 to Michigan State in the road, and you lost both those games. You just can't have that. So I think they're, they're probably a little better than what the record would say, but hopefully the kids' heads are still in it. And, you know, did you get a chance to talk to Akram on Tuesday? I know after the game he kind of seemed a little uh, – somber let's just say yeah he doesn't take losing very well and i think that gets magnified um when you know the camera's thrown in his face and people are you know he's instinctually an outspoken kid and he's learned here that he has to bite his tongue a lot and i think that's where the no comments come from when he delivers those he has comments he's just not going to share them um he probably shares them with his friends and his family um but tuesday usually by tuesday he's better and looking forward to the next game and he was this tuesday he was in good spirits and you know ready to get back on it and and see if they can win and We'll see. I mean, the, the the I'm so torn right now to where this team can go. We just we still don't know what's what lies ahead, because the games they lost, you know, Penn State didn't play particularly well. Um, Michigan State didn't play particularly well, and Northwestern didn't play particularly well, and they all beat Iowa. So, is that because Iowa's making them play like that and not? You know, and, and making it conservative and making it a, a you know, a, a grinded out type game. If they're able to continue to do that, you have to figure that maybe some of those breaks start to go their way because they are making teams look bad. Yeah. And I mean, Iowa State put up a, a you know, other than Penn State, the second most yardage against them. I, I, over that many games, it does make you think, hey, maybe Iowa's defense is pretty good. And they probably are. Um, by the way, uh, I, I saw somebody tweeted out, you know, as we're recording this, Gary Dolphin and the Hawkeye um, Coaches Show is being broadcast. Dolphin saying there's about a thousand tickets now left uh, for Saturday's game against Minnesota. So that would be um, a good trend in the right direction. Yeah, that, that would be good because it's going to be, it'll be a good environment. I mean, 530 at Kinnick. I don't care how many people are pissed off on the message boards and on Twitter. Twitter, that place will be rocking. Yeah, there's no doubt. <laughs> kind of, a, kind of. A, I think that there's one other time I remember a start like that. Maybe Arizona State back in yeah. um, 03 or something like that. And I said, yeah, it's an odd start. Time. Now that Fox is involved, it's just really bizarre start. It time. is, and and the first quarter will take an hour and a half because they do those stupid timeouts after kickoffs, like the NFL, that absolutely drive me freaking nuts. Um, gosh, there was something else that I wanted to transition um, into uh, about the team. Was it Stanley we talked about? Oh, recruiting uh, real quick. Um, Davion Nixon, uh, a commit from Iowa's last class who had some academic uh, eligibility issues. Iowa helped him clear those up to where he could get into Iowa Western Junior College this year and be eligible 
after just one year at the JUCO to come to Iowa City in uh, December at the semester, sign with them. That seemed like it had been the plan. Um, and as Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Uh, Iowa's fig- recruiting efforts figuratively maybe took a punch in the mouth today as Alabama came in with an offer for the defensive tackle, Davion Nixon. That that's that doesn't make you feel too good, or at least me. Yeah, I mean it's it becomes what seemed like a you know a done deal now becomes a fluid situation um, with you know w- with different parts to the story, different layers to the story. We have a story on on Davian on our, on Hawkeye Nation right now where uh, I got with him today and just kind of got his latest thoughts on getting. I think he's overwhelmed. Would be was the was kind of the uh, impression that I got. Um, I think when you go from a kid that's committed to Northern Illinois. Um, this past summer to now getting offers from, you know, getting an offer from Alabama. I can understand why he was taken a little bit off guard, but he's put together a heck of a season in Iowa Western. And I think had grades not been an issue um, in high school uh, in Wisconsin, he would have had more attention. And Iowa kind of stayed with him the whole time and, and got to the point where they felt comfortable with his academics to the point where, um, you know, they felt okay signing him and um it sounded like it was close to him making it in um but not close enough and he had to go to iowa western um i guess we'll see i mean he's got a really good relationship with iowa at this point um they've obviously built a strong relationship with him but you know when when the blue bloods come in and they bring you on campus and you know, show you this and, and show you the national championship rings and the trophies and things like that. It's got it makes a really big impact on a lot of kids. Um, you know, w- so w- one thing I'm going to find interesting is Kirk's policy on visits. Right. So we know that um, I'm not saying it's a blanket policy, but it seems fairly blanket that if you verbally commit to Iowa, Iowa's with you, whether you get hurt or not, they're going to stick with you. But we've seen when players have taken other visits that oftentimes Iowa will revoke a scholarship. But with this early signing period, I wonder if Kirk maybe changes that in some instances. Because the concern is you don't want to get strung out in January and on signing day and be left holding the bag on signing day. But now with this early signing period, it's almost like whomever doesn't sign with you during that period, you almost have to re-recruit them and probably start looking at that position with other people anyway. It'll be interesting to see how they play this. He said, it's in the story, but he basically said that he's going to talk to Iowa about that policy. Um, so so, so I'm, I'm interested, too, to see how they handle this. And I think there needs to be some flexibility. I don't think it can be a hard, fast rule, especially with a kid that's, going, that's at junior college. Um, it's different than him you know, committing to you in the summer and then playing his high school season. Right. He's at a junior college now. He's on a different level. Um, but I could see it going either way with Iowa. The interesting thing is the early signing period for high school players is December 20th. That is also when junior college players can sign is December 20th. But the high school players, it's a one-day deal. They sign December 20th. That's it. For junior college players, it runs from December 20th all the way to January 15th. Oh, man. So I, I could see Iowa saying, listen – take your visits but we need an answer by december 
20th. Right. You know, if you're still undecided at this point, we're going to have to go in a different direction. Right. Yeah, I think, I think there does have to be some flexibility. Any other recruiting items uh, worth mentioning? Um, no, nah, still kind of pounding out to see who's going to be here on Friday. This, this is a difficult time for recruits to come in just because um, – you know, the, the, most most states around us around us are in high school playoffs now. Some play on Saturdays. Some are, you know, kids are starting to get focused on the, the playoffs and, and not taking as many college visits. So, well, it'll be interesting to see who who makes it in uh, this Saturday and then the following Saturday for Ohio State. These could be a couple of a uh, couple of big weekends for Iowa. And Iowa's exhibition basketball season tips off on Friday. I'm looking forward to paying the Big Ten uh, some money and watching that online. I think what the two exhibition games are, are BTN Plus subscription only. And then what the first is it the first five Iowa games are on BTN Plus, And then those two or three Cayman Island games are on some flow hoops flow hoops that's going to cost 20 to 30 bucks yeah something something what do they know you at the big 10 network is that 10 bucks yeah it's like 9.99 a month so for 30 days you're basically you gotta pay 10 bucks and you're gonna get the first five games and the exhibition games to me that's Uh, i'm good with that that's good value yeah that's maybe (laughs) well we saw and and i'm I was getting it's almost like this keeps coming back up but today I was at uh Norlander for CBS did the yeah. did the rank the you know the Every team. division one teams one through 300 and however many they are yeah I was not looking good with their schedule this year and I don't know I mean I, I know Fran keeps saying it's not a big deal and they're not you know it's not going to hurt their RPI I, I just I don't understand how it's not how they can't do more and maybe make the margin for error a little bit less than what it is when you're playing this many teams that are you know considered really bad well uh, norlander i think 351 or 354 teams are in division one out of 351 rather iowa plays one two three four teams ranked 332nd or worse and then that's not to mention southern at 265 drake at 287 NIU at 246. Iowa's average is 223. Uh, you shouldn't play anybody. You shouldn't even play 223. Just don't, you know, load up on a bunch of teams 150th through 200th, and you don't have this problem. Now, going forward, given the 20 game conference schedule, it won't matter anymore anyway. You got a 20 game conference schedule. You got the Big Ten ACC Challenge. You have Iowa State. You've got you and I or Drake. And when you have you and I, it's not a, a problem. It's it's going to be fine. That that's going to be taken care of. So if you wanted to play dregs, you probably still shouldn't, but you'll be okay. But this year it will. So what they've really done is taken away their margin for error. They'll probably have to be a 21 win team just to get in. 20 probably won't be enough unless you know they really make some hay uh, against some big names. But that means they will have lost some games you wouldn't have expected. So that's the thing, John. We've talked about how favorable the Big Ten schedule is. This may be a year where they don't want it as favorable. Where they're gonna, they, maybe it'd be a good idea if you know it would be a better situation if they played two games against some of those tougher teams in the conference right. and built up their resume. Because now, if they lose one of those single plays against the top teams, that's even worse. That's even a bigger punch in the gut. It puts so much more emphasis on having to win those games. I think that they'll get in. I think that they're going to be a good team, but it, you know, 
they're they're a Jordan Bohannon injury away, probably from not. But that's just me. But anyway, we'll, well have, they've, got, what's that? they've got a couple of good non-conference chances on the road. I know Iowa State isn't what what it's been in the past, but it's still a formidable opponent every year. And Virginia Tech with Buzz Williams, that'll be a, a difficult game. A very both difficult of, game. Both of those games will be tough. Yeah, Virginia Tech returns some very talented guards, and, and also not in in, in the um, average of the schedule as a potential game maybe down in the Cayman Islands against Cincinnati. Uh, yeah. that that would definitely be a boost there as well. But you gotta you know you gotta win that game. So aren't there? But the, aren't there some? There's some dogs at the Cayman Island thing too, aren't there? Aren't there uh, well, yeah, don't... Iowa's Iowa's first game off campus for that is going to be against Wyoming or South Dakota State. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Put the state in there at the end. <laughs> but hey, you know what? The basketball is going to be flying. I'm going to have a blast with that. No, it's not because I'm moving on from football. I, I, I told you this privately in May, and I don't mind saying it now, and, and I, I really didn't mean this as disrespectful from the football season because I enjoy football, and I was going to enjoy watching a new offensive coordinator this year and younger players grow because I just, to me, I didn't necessarily write off this season. I just didn't have great expectations for it. And and it's turning out kind of how I kind of thought it would on the macro level. I was fine just fast forwarding right to basketball in May because of how excited I was going to be for this basketball team as much as anything. So, you know what? I don't care if I have to pay $10 to watch them play against Chicago state. I'm going to be, I'm going to enjoy it. So maybe that's just me. Yeah, I get the sense that a lot of people are, are, and maybe that is some disappointment with football. So that naturally makes people look forward to basketball. But I'm with you. I think a lot of people were looking forward to basketball um, prior to what, the football season. So, um, and, and I'm with you. I don't, I'm not giving up on this football season. There's still a chance. They still have a chance. You know, just when everybody gives up on them, that's usually when they rise up. So we'll see. Well, they got five games left, two really marquee games with Wisconsin and Ohio State, and we'll see how they finish up. Who knows what's gonna, who knows what they're going to find in Lincoln by the time they get to that game. Well, that's true. We do have the entertainment that is uh, Nebraska uh, as well, and what's going on there. So six point underdog at Purdue this week, Nebraska. I did not know that. Holy yeah. freaking smokes! That is insane. I mean, Purdue put 50 on them over there the last time, but they, they had a backup quarterback playing, and he threw five or six interceptions. But holy cow, that's that's pretty crazy. Um, hey, did you see that uh, exhibition game that Missouri and Kansas held in Kansas City? I didn't I didn't realize it was going on until it was over. And yeah, freaking what's 18. On TV? Uh, I don't. It was like a forty dollars pay per view. Okay. It, it was a charity event. They raised one point eight million dollars for it. The, pla- the place was sold out. It was insane. I watched a lot of video. It's one of my favorite basketball rivalries, and I, you know, they haven't played it forever, but, man, that was pretty sweet. Um, I, think, I think you and I is playing Wisconsin. They are. They are. The deals. Yeah, and I think uh, Gary Rymus, I, I think I saw him saying that he gets to broadcast it, so that might be on radio somewhere. I might uh, tune in because, quite frankly, I think Ethan Happ's getting a lot more love than, than he should. Yeah, I like him. I mean, that's a kid I watched play in AAU, um, and he's exceeded a lot of people's expectations. Um, but I'm interested to see what he does this year um, when he's the man. He hasn't had to be the man, but when you're not when you're not the man, and then you become the man, things can change pretty quick. That's right. Just ask Rick Flair. I, I've never been the man, so I don't know what that Rick feels Flair's like. Rick Flair's been the man, 
And to be yeah. the man, you got to beat the man. And thirty for thirty coming up on, on Ric Flair. Yeah, it's oh, um, they've been yeah. teasing it. I think it's like two weeks out. So, oh man, so what, what's it? He like wears a shirt, Space Mountain. He's like uh, oldest ride, longest lines, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> he's 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 one of a kind, man. I hate seeing all these old wrestling legends passing away. It breaks my heart, but uh, it's entertainment. It, it really is. All right, Rob. Hopefully this was entertaining for all of you. Thank you, Rob, for jumping on. Thank you for listening. Thanks to XR Brewing Company and HeartlandFlags.com. We'll talk to you soon.